This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time now for Sensing Bros, a programme about whānau, wellbeing and personal growth. This program is about natural buzz. There's a group of us brothers who are living alcohol and drug free and we want to share our stories and celebrate the things that are going right in the world. There's a lot of negativity. We're about positivity. We come from diverse cultural backgrounds, Samoan, Tongan, Māori, and we just want to share the love. This is my fourth attempt to introduce the show. Because I kept interrupting, I'm sorry. Um... So welcome, uh, welcome to another strange day on planet Earth, under level one still, in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, we hope you're you're doing okay. I started off by saying it was quite strange. Mm. It's a strange time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, like we're facing multiple crises at once, an economic crisis, a health crisis. Um, in the states, we are witnessing civil unrest and a political crisis and a, a racial justice crisis. So there's just a lot to try and take in. And then added to that, the personal crises people might be going through in their day-to-day life with family or health or sickness or you know, being not being able to make rent payments. You know, um, so... I'm Phil, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm with... Talia. My name is Talia. Yeah. I am Phil's youngest daughter. I am 23 years old, and I have just finished my law degree, actually, this semester. And I'm about to start my master's in law next semester, focusing on um, human rights and business. Brilliant. Mm. So very proud that you've completed that mission mm-hmm. and that you've done so well. Um, but as a 23-year-old, mm. looking out on the world, you mentioned, I think, five crises. Oh, yeah, four or five. Four or, kind or five. Of blending into one another. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do you get a, a sense... Uh, how does that that make you feel about the future um uncertain i think is the word uh i guess because i'm also studying this and so i have i think the tools the critical thinking tools and i know where to go when it comes to sources reliable sources of information and expert opinion and things like that that helps to temper some of the uncertainty that other people might be feeling because for example i mean my other degree is in philosophy and political science and international relations and so part of my foreign policy course this past semester was Mm -hmm. to look at all of these issues that are going on in the world and try and come up with practical solutions and look at what other policy thinkers and what other think tanks are coming up with in terms of the solutions for the economic crisis Um, and 
personally I've been looking at thinkers around anti-racism and curbing systemic racism and policy and things like that. So I I feel uncertain because I don't know the way that the world will go, but I know that there are ways forward, and so I'm not hopeless. And then also added to that, I have a personal faith that God is working all things together mm. for the good of those who love him and those whom he loves as well, which is the whole world. And so even though it feels scandalous at times to believe that because so much is going wrong, and there is so much injustice, and we are as God in the middle of all of that. Um, I do have hope that we are progressing, not regressing, and that God's kingdom purposes for the world are being worked out. So, but that's just me personally. That's where I, a, a belief that I draw strength from. Do you think, like, I was talking to someone today, and back and save. And we both, as you do, as you do yep. we were philosophizing as we were, <laughs> were packing for half an hour. It wasn't a rushed conversation at all. Yeah, nice. Um, and we both hit on this thing at the same time. As things appear to be getting darker, so they're also getting lighter. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Is it I think lines are being drawn more clearly. And so it's becoming more obvious where people stand and that there are these issues that we need to talk about. And it's, it's uncomfortable in a way because as darkness gets exposed, like systemic racism, policies that have led to it, the self-interest that lies behind those policies, and then personally people are having to grapple with that themselves um, and say, maybe I've been believing things or maybe I've taken in ideas of the culture around me that aren't good ideas, that are immoral, unethical ideas. Maybe I have some internalized racism. I'm really hitting on the, the racial justice thing because that's what I've been thinking about the most recently. I think as people are starting to come to terms with that and maybe ask themselves the harder questions, the dark does get more exposed, but also the light starts to switch on. And they realise that there are lines that have been drawn where people... Um, you have to sort of choose where you stand, and people haven't had to do that before a lot of, a lot of the time they can just choose to sort of disengage. But I think what's happening is that now people realise they need to know where they stand on these issues um, and on a lot of things that are going on. And so, I don't know, that's how I interpreted what you're asking. <laughs> yeah, well, that whole thing about positioning what, mm. where you stand, where you say that people... Are sort of um, being put in a position where it's not possible. Well, it is possible, but you have to bury your head in the sand pretty deep to be mm. neutral. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think. Yeah. And that's what I've noticed as a young person who's really connected on social media is that people are posting all of these different things and you can see very clearly the side that they're on. Do you think it's. Um, 
because I haven't engaged in a lot of the social media. Because mm. you don't really <laughs> have social media. Yeah, because I'm just, a re- a re- what do you call it? Still figuring out Facebook. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Ten years after it was launched. <laughs> So I, uh, where we're going with this is um, I'm trying to sort of get a sense of, like with your friends, your friend group, Mm. what's the sense that they have at the moment around the crisis? Well... Which one? <laughs> Which crisis? All of them. All of them. You know how okay. it's like one minute to doomsday oh, on yeah. the doomsday clock? Okay, well, I yeah. think maybe here we should start talking about our experience with church because that defines my interactions with a lot of my friends because they're either in church with me or they left church with me and and it... it filters in the the opinion of the leadership at the church around um, what's happening with COVID, what's happening with uh, Mm. Black Lives Matter, Mm. influences Mm. a lot of thinking. And and I think there is a tendency within the, the Christian conservative space to sort of have a package of ideas that you lean towards. So, Mm -hmm. and, and in that package at the moment is don't trust the government <laughs> around their response of COVID-19. Um, be anti-Black Lives Matter because it's fundamentally Marxist and anti-family. That's another idea that's thrown in there. Um, the agenda. The the agenda, the LGBTQA plus agenda is uh, really the serious social crisis of our day. And it's they're coming for good, hardworking, honest Christians. Um this isn't what I actually believe. I'm just expressing. You're laying out the... <laughs> I'm laying out the framework. Yeah. Um, and being pro-life. Yeah. Very hardcore pro-life and anti-euthanasia. And, yeah. Um, so that's sort of a package of ideas that comes through the church. Yeah. Not all churches because... So I was involved for eight years. We both were in a very uh, right-leaning evangelical church quite a big one in Christchurch one of the bigger ones in Christchurch and I moved out of that last year because I I couldn't maintain my competing value sets Mm. but it was a difficult decision to make because I really love the community and I'd essentially grown up there been there since I was just a fledgling teenager you know I was just becoming a teenager well that's why we we went because um, I wanted you in with a positive community group but you were also thinking about your faith yeah at the same time yeah and um so there were a lot of benefits Mm. and i think yeah there are a lot of benefits and i'm really grateful for that i mean it was a great experience um and i think because i had already been thinking about my faith before i joined a church and it sort of come to a place personally Mm. where I'd made that decision that I wanted to follow Jesus but Mm. it wasn't at the behest of any kind of uh, push (laughs) I wasn't given the evangelical spiel of this is what you need to give your life to God it was a very personal 
inner decision uh, based on my own well I, I'd say I was just drawn to the cross because the cross draws people that's what it does it's a very powerful image in history that God would come down and he would be crucified at the hands of the political and religious elite but that he would be doing it for us to demonstrate his love for humanity that I was really drawn to that idea even as a young girl and so I think having that base before I entered a church meant that while I took on some of the package of ideas that are thrown in there (laughs) I also was able to maintain a bit of distance personally and sort of um, know that they were just ideas and that God would always well I had my own ability to discern things and to make up my own mind about things so I think I didn't have to take on everything that was being preached at the time Mm. and the reason I've gone in this direction is because half of my friends are still in the church and Mm. (laughs) they're like my really good friends Mm. and I love them and we have great conversations and then the other half of my friends are either from university or they're friends that left the church with me (laughs) so I have one good friend who we basically left together at the same time and went to a different church that was um, better for us in the, the space that we were in and so I I the kinds of conversations that I have with people around racial justice, mm. around anti-racism, around political issues and social issues of our time change depending on who I'm talking to. And it's good because I'm not surrounded by just one group of friends that all kind of have the same opinion. I'm surrounded by my people, my people, <laughs> my people who go to university with me tend to be more left-leaning and um, the people who went to church with me tend to be more conservative and right-leaning. And so, yeah, through that, it's actually a real blessing because I get to hear both sides of the argument and I'm not siloed. Uh, and I think that's all, that's really important. Yeah, yeah. not in that um, echo chamber. Yeah, yeah. In terms of um, expressing what you believe to be true, mm. has, is social media a good vehicle for a part of that? I think, actually, yes. <laughs> I think yes, because that's how I have a lot of these conversations. Like just the other day, a friend posted something, a quote by Candace Owens, that was, in my view... Conservative to the right. Conservative to the right and wildly inaccurate and mm-hmm. a little bit insensitive. Mm. Did you fact Well, check? I didn't actually feel the need to fact check her okay. because I was actually relying on my relationship with her and the fact that we have respect for one another and the fact that if I expressed concern about it, she would go and do the research herself mm. uh, because she has that respect for me and I have that respect for her. And she did. So I basically messaged her after she posted it. And I oh, said, that's really encouraging. It's encouraging, right? Yeah. yeah. And and I messaged her and I said, oh, hey, like, um, 
I actually don't think that's a fact. <laughs> and I've been doing a lot of thinking myself around issues of racial justice and yeah. racism. And I have come to stand really in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter protesters. Mm. And I think as Christians, because this friend was a Christian as well, mm -hmm. Jesus absolutely calls us to stand against police brutality mm. and violence. Mm. Um, and she responded, she said, oh yeah, sorry if my post was insensitive. Um, I probably need to do more thinking and research around this. Wow. And then she just said, oh, I'm just sick of only hearing one thing from the media. And then I said, oh yeah, well it's good to to try and understand the other sides of of the argument and I understand why people go to the the black conservative elites like the Larry Elders and the Candace Owens to try and get a different perspective yeah um sometimes I feel though the people that go to those people are only going to those people mm. Mm. <laughs> and they're only getting their, their entire world view mm. is kind of being so molded mm. by what a few black elite intellectuals are saying mm. and they're not listening to what other um, I, I think it's really important that people sort of kind of some suspend their judgment mm. or at least um, sit back and listen to people on the spectrum of, of perspectives eh? yeah which is why um, debating or listening to people who are debating the big issues is fun yeah and it's actually quite healthy for me it's like watching a sports game exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh yeah so, okay so i mean you i won't get that reaction from everybody i definitely lost. well i'm i'm just really pleased that you <laughs> yeah. got a really well i i um, pick great friends <laughs> i do like if right. if i don't think yeah no i don't <laughs> i don't pick people with fake love you know what i mean yeah yeah um yeah there's a thing fake warmth yeah yeah there's a thing um you know when people and i've i've, I've been a little bit well weary of of people who sort of position themselves as gurus mm. it wouldn't matter if they were priests um cardinals bishops i'm not i sound like i'm anti-clerical i probably am in a little way because i don't <laughs> just like anyone who claims the to representation have a spiritual status yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah yeah which could be from eastern or yeah. western religions yes well yeah. put well put um, <laughs> thank you yeah so I, there's always a bit of a grain of salt mm. around anybody who's well, even in uh, for intellectuals mm. i go well because it's that thing around the blind spot all yeah. of us have a part of a story and an explanation and a reason yeah. um, and blind spots in our, in our perspectives. And that's why we need multiple yeah, perspectives. Yeah, that's why it's it's not threatening. Yeah. It shouldn't be treated as a threat that somebody ultimately um, might see something a little bit different. Yeah. But if it's, if it's a genuinely ideological bad idea yeah. like um which there is a lot of yeah I, right now <laughs> yeah i would say coming if, from the leader of the free world <laughs> i would say President trump i would say well 
<laughs> it's, it's right. Social Darwinism come, is yeah. alive and well. There comes a time um, to cool things out. Yeah. And it depends on your relationship with the person um, as to how you go about doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think people, a lot of people get into debates online with strangers that are pointless and they're just sort of venting their frustration at mm. each other. Mm. Um, but when it comes to your friends or your family members, or, you know, your uncle that's just a little bit racist yeah. and he doesn't realise it, um, the kind of conversations that you have around what's going on change. And I think what's needed is empathy and humility, but also not being silenced by your fear of, oh, I'm going to make this uncomfortable. You know, because I don't like calling people out. I don't like social conflict. I don't like having to deal with my own internalized racist ideas that I didn't realize I had. I don't, it's not comfortable learning, you know. It's not supposed to be comfortable learning. But as much as I dislike conflict, you know, I dislike injustice more. Mm. And I, I dislike racism more, mm. and I'm open to the idea that other people's experiences and realities are just as valid as my own, and that I don't have the full picture. What is it about um, racism that you don't like? <laughs> the, well, the hierarchy, the idea that firstly you can categorize people based on something um, innate about them and then hier- arrange them in order of hierarchy. A, so, a hierarchy of what? Of worth, right. of right. A, a whole lot of things, yeah. of intelligence, cleanliness, moral um, purity. And so there's a racism in white supremacy is just the idea that white people are less criminal, better uh, better morally, more intelligent, more worthy to lead than people who are not white. So that, that's what white supremacy is. And it's subtle. It really it infects a lot of different ideas. It's in our advertising. It's in policy. And it's, it's in people's biases that they have towards outgroups or people of colour. Um, and you don't, here's the thing, like I thought that because I'm brown, because I'm of Pacifica heritage, I can't be racist. Because <laughs> I'm in a minority, mm, I'm mm, in a racial minority. Mm, mm. Um, that's absolutely not true, because if you're living in a, a culture and a society that is saturated by some very insidious racist ideas mm. that are natural for you, because that's all you've known, you can absolutely internalize those ideas, regardless of the color mm. of your skin. Mm. And I've, I've, and you know, when, so talking about Candace Owens and, and black conservatives and their take on what's going on with the Black Lives Matter mm, protests, mm, or what mm. they call them riots, uh, like I was, because I was in, at the time, 2016, 2017, those really contentious years where we had a, a pretty historic election here with the entry of the new coalition government and a, a young female prime minister and also a contentious election in the states that colored a lot of the political talk that i was experiencing at uni 
and um, the complete opposite leader <laughs> elected in the States and the one that was elected here. And because I was also part of a church that had that package of ideas, um, and a lot of my friends were conservative leaning, I immediately went to the Larry Elders and the Candace Owens to understand politics around mm. race. Mm. And I even used their ideas, which are quite specific to their context, to try and understand indigenous claims in New Zealand and indigenous mm. claims to sovereignty in New Zealand, which is not the right move at all. <clears throat> and uh, I was right there. I was listening to Candace Owens when she was posting her first YouTube rants. And I was listening to Thomas Sowell. And all like I just devoured all of his interviews. And I read his book, Basic Economics, uh, which is basically the holy Bible for conservatives, specifically black elite conservatives. And so I understand that entire framework and that entire way of thinking. And then I moved out of that as I became more educated through university and as I was pushed to challenge my own thinking. And, um, yeah, and, and just as I understood the other side of the argument more. Mm. And where other people were coming from. Mm. Well, Ibram. Ibram? Ex-Kendi, yeah. Yeah. That guy. One of the things that struck me about him, although I haven't read his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, mm. but I'd, be, I'd quite like to get it, um, was, the, was the idea that, that two things are progressing. At the same time, At the right? same time. Yeah. Racism is progressing. Yeah. And so is... Um, Disparities, racism. Uh, this is progressing, is, and so is racial justice. And so is racial justice. So you can have, so you got, yeah, yeah. You can have wins in certain categories and in certain policies, and you can also have losses <laughs> in yeah. others. And and racist ideas and white supremacist ideas are very um, powerful, and they stand the test of time because they can reinvent themselves. I, th I think what people don't do is link well I shouldn't say it like that because it sounds like it's a universal thing that people don't do but a lot of people would benefit from actually looking at the policies and mm. the evidence for their creation and who was benefiting from these policies yeah so when we talk so, about policy in the United States it, it it's talking about the policies under Reagan and Nixon and then also Clinton that led to mass incarceration um, and which has disproportionately affected black and Hispanic people. And war on drugs. And the, the has war on drugs failed. Absolutely failed. I can, I can, yeah, I can categorically state that from my own. Um, Say why? Because a lot of people won't know this about you. That's true. Where did you go, Dad? <laughs> In two oh eight, I was part of a group of New Zealanders who, for the first time. Um, as part of an 18th month long um, United Nations NGO process that went around all the regions in the world mm. um, to Vienna to it's called Ang Angus I think they used to say it like that 
the United Nations General Assembly special session. And yeah. we were looking at the fruits, not the fruits, but um, what was the outcome of the war on drugs that, that Nixon and, um, and, and, and Ray, Reagan had perpetuated, you know? And then Clinton as well. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And um, so, so... And you were on the side that it wasn't good <laughs> treating it as a criminal absolutely. issue absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and that's what we came up with at the end of the day yeah all of the ngos that had gathered um came up with a consensus statement mm. you know which could then be presented to the governments who, of the day mm. saying this is and uh, um this is how we see the impact of that kind of thinking which was really to do dehumanize people and label them as addicts mm. and then to ramp up the justice systems to deal with the what well, is the criminalization of addiction yeah. you know and, and rather that, than the, that's the thing yeah and that criminalization mm. uh, like I said disproportionately affected black people oh, in America and also Māori and Pacifica here when we look at who's in their prisons yeah okay right so it's, yeah. brothers and sisters people and and New Zealand has its own history of the justice system not working justice for everybody mm. equally. Mm. Like we're we're reading that book at the moment, Justice and Race, by mm. Oliver Sutherland, mm. and talking about in in the seventies, and even into the eighties, Māori youth had a higher rate of being convicted for the same crimes, an eighty six percent rate, than white for the same crimes because of forty four percent of whites were <clears throat> of white youth. Exactly. Would, would actually mm. be sent to some sort of detention centre or war store. War store. Of, yeah, mm. whatever that called. And that was because um, of biases and also because Māori did not have access to legal, legal re- representation. Legal representation. And they were often pressured to just plead guilty. And they yeah, were less likely to seek legal representation as well, or even to understand that they could seek it. Exactly, not knowing what they had a right to. Yeah. And it's the same today when we do any sort of advocacy work. A lot of people accessing services, um, you know, just experience the service and don't realise that actually if they're not treated well, there is they can mm. um, get other kinds of support through advocacy. And The problem is that um, by the time you've gone into a system, yeah. And you've battled your way through to get support or the kind of support you need. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy to just to vote with your feet and give up. Yeah. You know. The um because a lot of what I do is about um walking alongside people when they're struggling mm-hmm. in my role. Um in this uh, is what. Oh, sorry, no. You continue your thought. So when I look at look at I, I look at the the um, the experiences, the lived experiences of people who are on the bottom rungs mm. of this society. I do so. I, I look at it with a lot of um, hope for what is possible for them, mm. but also. <clears throat> understanding that, um, that there's a lot of 
um, stress and weight that sits on people in their decision making mm. because they don't feel they've got enough. Like that woman I was, I was telling you about who came up and asked for two bottles of milk mm. in the car park yeah. for her children. Yeah. Not asking for money, asking for milk. Yeah. How sad. And that, the reality that some people are really, really just getting... Yeah. Getting um, by and just making it and that we could be doing a lot more for them. Yeah. Is um is something that kind of like sits underneath what drives what drives me. Yeah. Um and what what why I why I want to find the best way to be engaged in the in the um conversations around social social justice. Yeah. I don't want to be um, seen as a social justice warrior, I'm trying to reframe it because there's connotations with that now, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I can't be radicalised. Yeah. Because the way I un- understand the gospel and the representation, the re-representation of who Jesus was and what he stood for, mm. is. Uh, um, well, that's your guiding. It's my guiding instead of North Star on the yeah, whole matter, and, and instead of a set of certain political ideals. Yeah, it's like it sits above that, and then yeah. the politics. Yeah, politics. I, I, it's really important to be engaged in that, mm. in those processes. Um, for me now, and as I get older, I'll be more and more involved in that. Yeah, because that's a little bit of the um, kind of, and ensuring. I can now represent um, where a lot of people can't. Yeah. Pacifica voice. Yeah. Given what I've done, um, kind of fairly and 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 into those groups, mm-hmm. into those hierarchies. And yeah. this is what I appreciate about what I'm learning from anti-racism educators like Austin Channing Brown, like Ibram X. Kendi, and also Brene Brown, although I wouldn't categorize her as an anti-racism educator, Uh, but she's got a great podcast called Unlocking Us, which I would highly recommend. Uh, She's a, a social worker and a researcher from the United States. She has a lot of really great... humanitarian. Very humane, very empathetic, very open-minded, open-ended discussions around a lot of what is going on. And it's refreshing to come to that out of the conservative space where it's really... There's there's a lot... Honestly, there's just a lot less humanity in the way they talk about things. And so I think anti-racism is about... It's becoming... It's about becoming more human, becoming better... A better human being, seeing the humanity in others, seeing others as truly equal, understanding that you yourself aren't perfect and that you might have ideas that are causing you to to have a wrong perception of yourself in relation to others and others in relation to you and without even without you even realizing it and um, around so the the death of George Floyd. I think highlighted both the humanity and the inhumanity in 
a lot of different in different groups in so the the humane way to respond to that is not to say oh yeah that's really really sad but police violence isn't a thing or but it was just a one bad egg or but da 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 don't use him as a martyr whereas that's where the, a lot of conservative thinkers are going um, or but he had a criminal record or but he was he had drugs in his system that's actually I think fundamentally n- what Candace Owens does and what Larry Elder is doing as well is labelling him posthumously as just a criminal someone who shouldn't be held up but what people who are on the anti-racism side are doing when they put his face on walls and on t-shirts is humanising him is saying this is a human being who had dignity his life had dignity his life had worth and that police officer that knelt on his neck clearly didn't see that and I also don't think that Candace Owens sees that when she continues to drive the narrative that he was a criminal um, and that this is all insane it's not it's what's encouraging about seeing the mass protests and the mass demonstrations about one man's life who was not a perfect person is there's this unity in expressing that each life has dignity and each life has worth and value and um, specifically (laughs) those lives who have historically not been given dignity or value which are black lives in the US that is indisputable and that's why black lives matter and that's why as a Christian I think that racial justice matters to Jesus as well and so I have no conflict between that north star that you're talking about of my my reverence for Jesus and for the gospel and the message and the impetus behind black lives matter and the protests um, I, th- I see that as part of kingdom building. It's, it's exposing the inhumanity and forcing people to become better humans by looking at themselves and asking themselves hard questions and having uncomfortable conversations. Well, that's you, the word dignity. I watched, as a lot of people did, you know, the YouTube on the protests when they started to unfold. Mm, yeah. I picked up on it a few days after things were happening because I decided just to tune out yeah. of what was going on in the world for a few days. Yeah, sometimes it's healthy to do that. Yeah. yeah. And then I tuned into this and, and across social media I was here at seeing this stuff going on, conversations. Um, and then there were all the stuff around the riots, eh? Mm. And there was rioting going on. But what I saw... Was the intent of the peaceful protest yeah. is kneeling, yeah, and just asking the frontline police to kneel with them with yeah. respect, um, and to maintain their own their own their their own dignity yeah. by not buying into um, sort of like the anarchy reactionist approach. Yeah, or, and, and, and the thing oh. is, you're always gonna when you have a massive social movement, you're always gonna have that element Mm. it's kind of unavoidable Mm. because especially when people are angry and enraged and they feel a sense of injustice there's going to be a subset of those people that need to vent and need to express that through through violence and through anarchy but i mean you had tens of thousands of protesters in cities across the us in dc 
and mm. in Minnesota. Was it Minnesota or no, Minneapolis? Yeah. Um, if every single one of those 10,000 people had been a, a riot or an anarchist, you wouldn't have a city left standing. And so the fact that the media is focusing on the, the acts of anarchy um, and characterising this as mm. riots mm. is actually, I don't think it does justice to... And, and people who complain about the media perspective right there's actually two media narratives that go on in the u.s there's like your fox news <laughs> narrative and then there's your cnn narrative um and one paints them as more protests and peaceful social demonstrations and one paints them more as riots and just marxism gone wild in the u.s this is this is the end of democracy <laughs> um and so i think that the conservative right in new zealand particularly in evangelical churches, particularly in the evangelical church that we belong to, really heavily leans into the Fox News right um, coverage more than they do um, the other side. Personally, I, I only watch Al Jazeera. <laughs> I only trust Al Jazeera. Well, you need to be able to filter a lot of the the storylines yeah. or the narratives say I, 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 Al Jazeera and Māori television that's where I get my news now Māori television is the best television oh it's great yeah yeah no it's really good that said before we come back um, do you want to introduce the song oh yeah okay so um, I want to play a song by a Japanese British artist called Rina Soyama and it's actually wrote uh, she wrote this song as part of an album called Soyama, her last name, which Alton John said was his album of the year. So high praise. <laughs> and she just released it uh, last month. And the whole album is about her coming to terms with her own complex generational trauma growing up as a minority in Britain trying to grapple with her identity as being, you know, British but looking different and having an, a mother who was an immigrant and things like that. And she, there's a song, uh, the ballad of the album called Chosen Family, and I really like it because it's, it's about what we've been talking about, empathy. Let's get to know each other as human beings and, and sit across from one another and have a conversation and understand each other's stories. That's, and I, I like it. I like that. And I like the whole album, so... You should go, who is listening to this, you should go and download the whole album and listen to it. Start to finish. <laughs> What's it called? It's called Soyama. S-A-W-A-Y-A-M-A. -A -A. Oh, I, prob I probably got that wrong. <laughs> it's a lot of A's. Cool. Cool, okay. Well, enjoy this song. Tell me your story and I'll tell you mine I'm all ease, take your time, we got all night Show me the river Cross the mountain 
mountain scale to show me who made you walk all the way here. Settle down, put your bags down. like that song that was Chosen Family by Rina Soeyama yeah um, so you're listening to Sensei and Bros on Plains FM just want to thank our sponsor Mabumaya <laughs> and we're going to just continue the conversation we were having um, which was ended the last part about talking about dignity 
and anti-racism. It's, excuse my voice, it's a little bit croaky at the moment. Yeah. I'm not taking the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> I have... No, but... No. Um, um, but we were also talking about it in terms of what happened in, across social media. With the different responses to with the, the, different responses the Black Lives in the last Matter few weeks. And yeah. Like that. yeah. Yeah. And, um, and where those responses might be coming from. Who is my neighbour and Black Lives Matter? Yeah. That's the central question, isn't it? That's the central question. Who is my neighbour? You're my neighbour, man. That's going to be the title of my master's thesis, actually. Is it? Yeah. Not, I'm not writing it about Black Lives Matter. It's about um, the duty of care principle. Mm. The neighbour principle, as it's called. Mm. But anyway... That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, so sure. the, the Black Lives Matter thing is saying, this is... This is my neighbour, and it matters to me. And they've got had a different experience. I think that society, or civilization in, in general, is getting better at uh, acknowledging the worth of individual human lives and the dignity of individual human lives. You know what you had after the Second World War, with this advent of international human rights norms, was this, which I, I'm studying, which is part of my master's. Yeah, cool. Um, is, is this acknowledgement, this worldwide, global acknowledgement, all of the heads of states, of all of the countries came together and they said, yes, human life is valuable. And this is wrong. <laughs> the War crime is wrong. Torture is wrong. Denying people basic rights is wrong. Everybody is deserving of, uh, of life and of dignity, and because they have value innately, and they have value because they're human, because they exist, and you know that is powerful when you have all countries come together and they say that. I, I'm not saying. I mean, they haven't lived up to it, but <laughs> it's there out wow. there as an aspiration, as an acknowledgement. And so I as think an, that's as, actually that is. Do you know? Um, I was listening to Jordan Peterson. He goes, you, you know, he talks about having an aim. Yeah. But not a low aim. A high aim. A high it's aim. It's a very high aim. Human rights is a very high aim. Mm. Um, mm. And but it's also just such a common sense, basic aim. Like, oh yeah, people shouldn't be arbitrarily detained and tortured. Mm. We should just, you know, maybe we could just agree not to harm people. Mm. And um, so, yeah. So I think that actually, and now you have this death of a man who could have, and it could have been swept under the rug mm. and he could have just been a traumatic event mm. um, that affected a small community of people, but it has gone global and everybody is up in arms and they are saying, well, not everybody, but tens of thousands of people in cities across the world are mobilizing to say this is not right we value human life more than that we think this man had a story he had dignity and what happened to him is inhumane and i have hope even though it's come out of tragedy i think like pandora's box that little butterfly of hope comes out yeah so that's what i would end with that's what i want to say is that well um I feel 
that is really um, encouraging and despair um, which is what your generation is facing a lot of yeah which is the idea um, that tomorrow is going to be just like today yeah it's not going to be better. that's that's yeah. the that's the I think that's one of one of the challenges but tomorrow yeah. is not going to be just like today because I'm in tomorrow and I get to to exactly. choose to progress exactly and to take all of the people that I'm holding hands with exactly. forward as well um, and I have to do the work in myself and actually maybe I'll finish with this that it is um, okay to change your mind you know it's okay to not stay in one space mm. I guess it's a good place to <laughs> been trying to finish bring this. in the song bring in <laughs> the so song long. which is um um, from Common, called Freedom. Mm, cool, yeah. Southern leaves, southern trees we hung from. Barren souls, heroic songs unsung. Forgive them, Father, they know this not as undone. Tied with the rope that my grandmother died. Pride of the pilgrims affect lives of millions. Enslaved days separating fathers from children. Institution ain't just a building, but a method of having black and brown bodies fill them. We ain't seen as human beings with feelings Will the U.S. ever be us, Lord willing? For now we know the new Jim Crow The stop, search, and arrest our souls Police and policies patrol Philosophies of control A cruel hand taking hold We let go to free them so we can free us America's moment to come to Jesus Bird sings for freedom to ring Black bodies being lost in the American dream Blood of black being A pastoral scene Slavery still alive Check Amendment 13 Not whips and chains Are subliminal Instead of nigger They use the word criminal Sweet land of liberty Incarcerated country Shot me with your ray gun And now you wanna trump me Prison is a business America's the company Investing in the justice Fear and long suffering we staring in the face of hate again The same hate they say will make America great again No consolation prize for the dehumanized For America to rise It's a matter of black lives And we gon' free them so we can free us America's moment to come to Jesus
won't be long. Oh, oh.